So, Lou, it's nine degrees today. Nine. But yes. let me paint you a little picture. Okay. It's April 1st. Sun is out. The weather is just on the cusp of getting nicer. The trees are, are growing and, and the grass is, is getting greener. And, and guess what? Birds chirping? Is there birds chirping? There are birds chirping. Okay. And but guess, guess what? what April 1st is? Opening day. And does today feel like we're a little bit closer with all this Tanaka talk? I don't know, but it gives some warmth to my heart on this chilly, chilly day that the Yankees have Tanaka. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Yes Men. I'm Lou DiPietro. To my left is Doug Williams, and not pictured is the newest member of the Yankees family, Masahiro Tanaka. It's- How would he be pictured? I don't know. You got to picture us. Maybe there's a picture on your <laughs> iTunes. I don't know. I hope people don't picture us. I'm wearing a You wearing are wearing a, a pretty hat ridiculous hat right underneath, now. Underneath like I have headphones on, but they're they're over mm-hmm. my winter hat. That says Berlin on it cuz I bought it in Germany. It's a little ridiculous, but trust me, it's fantastic. And also fantastic is Tanaka, 25-year-old right-hander from Japan. Uh was a perfect 24-0 last year with a 127 ERA for the Rakuten Golden Eagles who also employed uh, former Yankees Daryl Rasner and Andrew Jones and Casey McGee last year. But seven years, $155 million, opt-out after the fourth year, full no-trade clause, the apparent parameters of the deal that will put Tanaka in pinstripes for at least the next four years. So we've already played this week in facts that Lou knows and Doug doesn't, and whoever Daryl Rasner, I can't even remember who that is, to be completely he honest was a, with you. He was a starting pitcher. He was one of those kind of like guys that used to come up from AAA every once in a while and spent you know, a few games in the rotation. 2005, the season where anyone with an arm was a uh, starting pitcher candidate for uh, the Yankees. Don't remember. He was, he was up then and, and around then. Casey um, McGee, you have to remember that. It was like two years ago. Yeah, I remember okay. Casey McGee, yeah. but I didn't know he played for the Golden Eagles he because did. I lose track of players as soon as they leave the country. No, he did. He hit like part. 30 home runs, too, and then he ended up getting a contract with the Marlins uh, this year. So he's going to be playing third base for the Marlins. Lucky well, good him. for him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Lou, uh, this is a this is a big deal. And we talked last week about how my, my, my new job here is is breaking news for the network. And so today was another example of kind of what that job enti- entails and – um, it's a large contract in terms of money and years. He can opt out after four. Um, it's $155 million. It puts the, uh, $189 million in the rearview mirror. Oh yeah. They're there already without even everyone under contract now. And, uh, so you know what, here's the thing. I, I think a lot of people are looking at this as totally black and white, which happens a lot with, uh, players when they sign big time contracts. A lot of people are saying, well, he better be good. You know, he better be as good as, you know, I don't know, maybe you Darvish is a guy that you could compare him to. He, obviously, he's making so much more money than Darvish is. But so people are either saying he better be an ace or he is going to be terrible. And people are like, if he's a total bust, think about the ramifications of this. You miss the 189. You spend, obviously, $150 million. You got Keigawa in the rearview mirror. But here's the thing. The all-time wins leader for the Scranton Wilkes Bear franchise, by the way, <laughs> Kagawa. So here's the thing, mm-hmm. though: uh, he may 
not end up being either. He he may end up being a a two or three starter, or a successful major league pitcher. He doesn't have to be uh, a Cy Young winner for him to be a success. If he throws innings, if he wins fifteen games a year, I think the Yankees will take it. Now, is that worth one hundred and fifty five million? Probably not. But let's remember, Hideki Matsui had a terrific reputation coming out of Japan. Was known as the best power hitter in the world. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't great. He was never great in the big leagues. He was very, very good at times, but he was never great. So would you look at Hideki Matsui as a disappointment? No. He was a great Yankee. And, you know, he's one of the guys that the Yankees have honored at their new stadium. But let's remember that he, this guy Tanaka does not necessarily have to be Nolan Ryan to, you know, be a success in New York. It's possible for you to come in, do your job, uh, be a good presence in the clubhouse. Obviously, you have to do your job well to earn your money. Yep. But it's possible for, for it not to be either black or white. Well, do your job well to earn your money unless you're Carl Pavano, I guess. But here's the thing. And, and, yeah, and that's, the, but that is why kind of that mm, we look at it that way. Right. Because there's been so many examples of that. I'm going to use the phrase tempered expectations. And here's why I say that. You mentioned a couple of guys. You mentioned Hugh Darvish, who has been great for the two seasons he's been with Texas. Daisuke Matsuzaka had a couple of great years with Boston. He had a couple of pretty bad years with Boston. He had a couple of hurt years with Boston. And he finished last year on a minor league deal with the Indians and then the Mets. Okay. Still a Met, by the way. Keigawa, the like I said, came up, was was a bust. Let's let's be fair. He was a bust. That's why he's the all-time wins leader for the Scranton Wilkes Bear franchise because he spent most of that five-year contract in AAA. Hideki Arabu had a couple of good years, but then was you know average to a middle of the road pitcher. Hiroki Kuroda has been a fourteen and twelve three-ish ERA guy his whole career, which is not like you said Nolan Ryan. But where would the Yankees be without Hiroki Kuroda over the last two years? Oh, he's been great. You know where would the Dodgers have been a few years ago without Hiroki Kuroda when he was a solid mid-rotation pitcher? He doesn't have to be Justin Verlander circa a couple years ago or, you know, someone like that. Go, you know, 25-3 and with a 189 ERA. You know, that's unrealistic to even think about. Yes, he's making $155 million. But Irvin Santana is going to get 100 I mean, let's be fair. Some of the contracts that have been handed out in baseball this year for pitchers have been Heads, I mean, Boone Logan got $16 million from the Rockies. He's a middle reliever. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying Logan's not a valuable piece or a good pitcher because he was both for the Yankees for the last few years. But $5.5 million for a guy who's a lefty specialist bordering on seventh inning guy is a lot of money. They needed a top-of-the-rotation starting pitcher, and that that's, that's and Tanaka is, is their yeah. best chance yep. to spend that money that they would need to spend, like you said, for Irvin Santana or for mm-hmm. Matt Garza. You're going to have to spend $100 million. So if you're going to spend over $100 million, why not do it on the piece that has the most potential upside? Right. I mean, you're looking at those guys are going to earn 15 to 20 somewhere, depending on whether it's a four-year $60 million contract or 700 or somewhere in the vicinity. One or more of those guys is going to get 15 to $20 million a year to be – I mean, Matt Garza is a good pitcher. So is Ubaldo Jimenez. And Irvin Santana has been decent, but none of them are Justin Verlander or CeCe Sabathia or – you know, Max Scherzer last season, or insert great pitcher here. And remember, and need a lot of money. And remember, here's the uh, the thing that's win that wins World Championships. At least, you know, winning a World Series can come in a lot of different ways, and obviously, it kind of switches uh, depending on what decade you're in. Right now, if you look at you know, I don't know, the last two years with the Giants and the Red Sox, it is for the most part clutch hitting, 
and and yep. decent starting pitching. Yep. It, you don't need to have perfection at either. It yep. just needs to be a good all-around mm-hmm. team. And that is why when pe- pessimists on Twitter today are saying, well, who's at second base? Who's at third base? Who's at shortstop? Still so many ifs on this team. Well, you know what? They around the board are so much better than they were last year. Remember, like question marks, you're really going to point out the question marks on this team now? They had Lyle Overbase starting after two days. Yeah, somebody on Twitter earlier already today said the Yankees have spent half a billion dollars on four or five guys, and yet Brian Roberts and Kelly Johnson are starting at second and third. So what? So what? You can't you can't have a top flight name at every position, and you don't yeah. need to either. Let me let me ask you a question: the Yankees dynasty years. 96 through 2001. Who's the starting second baseman on that 1996 team? Uh, am I right? No, he was later. But okay. He was later, and he was a good player. But who's the starting second baseman on the 96 team? I was five. so That would be Mariano Duncan. Yeah, you know, 75, <laughs> <I was> 75-time <five. laughs> All-Star and Hall of Fame candidate. No, Mariano Duncan was a good player. He wasn't a great player, but he was a good player, and he hit eighth in that lineup. Luis Soho got a lot of time in those lineups. Scott Brocious, who and you and I had this conversation last week when we were talking about the Scott Sizemore signing. Scott Brocious was terrible in Oakland the year before he became a Yankee. He was the 1998 World Series MVP. They don't – okay, I will say – the, Go ahead. No, to the, say, to the, there's room for those guys. Though. Right, and I, I'm, that, I'm mm-hmm. going directly off that point. I will say I would like it if they were to sign a Grant Balfour, a, a late reliever. Right. That is the one thing I think they have an excuse to go out and sign now. Right. I don't see the need for another infielder. I don't care about second and third. You have between Eduardo Nunez, Scott Sizemore, Brendan Ryan, Derek Jeter, Kelly Johnson, and Brian Roberts. You got three positions there. You can figure it out, and they will. Here's some positives. Brian Roberts was very good in the second half of last year. He's 36. He's not the elite player he once was, and concussions and multiple injuries have, have made him you know, less of himself. He's still a very productive player, especially if, again, like we've mentioned a few times, if there's a kind of three-way, two-position platoon where all three guys kind of end up having to play 100 games, it could work. Kelly Johnson hit 16 home runs the last two years. He's a lefty with good, like, good middling power in Yankee Stadium where fly balls are home runs on a given day. Okay? So could he realistically end up hitting 25 home runs or 30 as a full-time player? Yes. And I'll tell you what, if Kelly Johnson hits 235 with 30 home runs, no one's going to carry at 235. No one's going to care he's not exactly Mike Schmidt in his prime defensively at third base because he hit 30 home runs hitting eighth for the Yankees. It's just, you know what, it's unbelievable. And, and I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not talking about fans, and I don't want to name names. I'm talking about people in the media who, you know, have been saying, I think responding to fans who are saying, this is a championship for the Yankees now. Like, they're the team to beat. And, and guys in the media are saying, wait, 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 wait. You know, obviously that's not true because they don't have a, a guy in the late innings. They don't have yeah. a third baseman. They don't mm-hmm. have a second baseman. I just don't think that that's worth talking about because while I agree with people who are saying, wait, take a step back, this is not a championship team yet, mm-hmm. it just it doesn't mean anything that they don't necessarily have a guy who opening day will be their starting second or third baseman. I don't yeah. think it means they're not going to win a championship. I don't think it's going to mean it means they will. I agree. Cody Ross. I'm just going to throw that name out there. Cody Ross. Guy was cast aside by multiple franchises. It's been a big part of two of the last few World Series champions between the Giants and the Red Sox. Guy was a cast-off. Got hot at the right time, played up to, you know, his potential, fit well in the role. 
the starting third baseman for the Red Sox last year towards the end of the playoffs was that epic multi-time all-star Xander Bogarts. Okay? If you have guys in the lineup that can mask the quote-unquote deficiencies of these guys everybody's slagging, who cares? If Mark Teixeira is healthy and hits 30 to 40 home runs and can improve that batting average a little bit, if Beltran continues to be Carlos Beltran, if Ellsbury gets back more to that 10 home runs, 70 RBI, 50 stolen base guy at the top of the order, if Brett Gardner hits over 300 again, if Derek Jeter comes back to anything close to Derek Jeter two years ago, if Brian McCann hits 270 with 35 home runs in the middle of the lineup, is anybody really going to be like, oh, Kelly Johnson's a third baseman? No. Yeah, they'll figure it out. It, it, it's not. It, it really isn't a big deal. And the thing is, all along we had said that the Yankees offseason would be a success. And, and that's what's funny is today it was an official success, if you ask me. I mean, right. if you think about mm-hmm. it, we said Brian McCann, Masahiro Tanaka, and an outfielder. Maybe it's Curtis Granderson. Uh, you know, they, they needed – they had a bunch of holes to fill. Yeah. We they didn't know. Yeah. So they went out and got the biggest free agents on the market. That, and this is what they did in the offseason after 2008. Yep, and look what happened in 2009. So right. I guess I'll see you at the beginning of the Canyon of Heroes sometime in early November. It's Yeah, you know what? It's great to be a Yankee fan. I was just listening <laughs> to uh, our friend Ryan Rucco on ESPN Radio, and he was just saying, it's got to be nice to be a Yankee fan compared to being a fan of basically any other franchise because you just know how much your team hates to lose. Mm-hmm. And when your team does lose, and in this case go 10 games over 500 and miss the playoffs – you know that a lot is coming to try and, you know, change the odds. Yep. And, you know, I wrote an article that's on uh, on the website now, Cheap Plug, uh, wondering what this signing really means for the Yankees. And there's a couple of things in that article that are sort of hidden benefits, one of which being, you know, you said that hopefully the Yankees go out and get a guy like Balfour, a late-inning reliever. Tanaka's contract with the annual value of over $22 because I think it's 22 each for the first six and then 23 in the seventh. So the the value ends up like 22.14 or whatever, kind of when it's all averaged out. That puts them over 189 right now. So now that that's gone, I mean, yes, they could trade Ichiro. Maybe they trade Brett Gardner. They get some pieces back. They do this, they do that. They get creative. They can maybe do it. Do they now instead just go out and say, screw it, you know, let's let's go get Balfour or Rodney or, you know, even a, le- a quote-unquote lesser guy like K-Rod or Hanrahan when he's back or, or whatever – do they say now, do they go out and say, okay, the second-round draft pick is worth asking Stephen Drew if he'll play third base for a year? The Yankees have said no, they're not going after any more infielders, but you never know. Things have been said before that have been changed. The other benefit to that is now you slot in Tanaka, who's under contract for at least four years if he doesn't opt out seven. Sabathia has a vesting option for 2017, but he's under contract for the next three years. You have Tanaka. You have Nova, who's under team control through 2016. is a free agent. Okay, yes. But then you have that fifth starter competition in camp. You have guys like Pineda, Phelps, Warren, Vidal, Nuno. All of those guys are under team control via either renewal or arbitration until at least 2018. The Yankees don't need to sign another starting pitcher if everything works out for four years. Four years they can go without signing a pitcher because if everything goes well with Sabathia and the vesting option, option, you know, uh, vests, that was a weird sentence, the option vests, He's, he's through 2017. That's four years. Tanaka's got four years before his opt-out. Nova's under contract for three, or under team control, I should say, for three, because this was his first arbitration year. All of those guys are, are team control guys. So when Kuroda leaves, if, say, Pineda wins the fifth starter battle and is really good, he just slots into Kuroda's spot next year, 
and you have another competition between Phelps and Warren and Nuno and maybe Manny Banuelos is back and maybe this guy and that guy and Shane Green and Nick Turley and all these other prospects. They don't need to sign a starting pitcher until 2018 at this rate. That will actually kind of be a big boost in terms of maybe finding holes they need to plug if Derek Jeter retires. When Teixeira's contract is up in a couple years, Beltran's a short-term deal at three years, Gardner's going to be gone next year, Soriano's going to be gone next year. Now they can get creative because they know that at least they've signed two starting pitchers or more every year the last five years. Now they don't have to. So I, I think less of the future than you do, which, I mean, is probably not a good thing. But for me, the first thing that came to mind with their rotation and the good of the Yankees' rotation with this signing was basically that it's one less if in their rotation. We were thinking that maybe they'd squeeze a rotation together. You'd probably have Phelps and Pineda in there. Now, like you said, it's kind of a total competition between maybe the two of them plus maybe a few more guys. But really what it does is it takes a little bit of pressure off Pineda and our expectations for him. I've said that he's probably the most important Yankee going into this season. I still stand by that because he's got the potential to be so good. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Pineda is back to his 2011 form and you have a rotation with CeCe Sabathia, Hiroki Kuroda, Tanaka, Pineda, and Nova. I mean, that is really good. It's a very good rotation. And that was the other, quote-unquote, added benefit in my story about the the Tanaka signing is that if Pineda's shoulder isn't 100% and he needs more time, or if Nuno or Warren, you know, don't really show that they can be more than a long man right now, or if Phelps either isn't healthy or something, I mean, he did miss two and a half months with that forearm strain last year, there's less pressure on those guys. And, you know, if an injury happens in spring training, like happened with Pineda a couple years ago, it doesn't make your decision by default. If you've got four guys just save those four, going for two rotation spots and a long man spot, if somebody gets hurt, decisions made. It's just where do they fit, not who fits. And now uh, it's more of still can be who fits with one spot and maybe the long man for those four. And guys. we've talked a lot about the bullpen, and David Phelps maybe now is officially a guy in the bullpen, mm-hmm. a maybe, guy in middle maybe, relief. Maybe he's a seventh inning guy. Right. So Maybe maybe Adam Warren stays the long guy. Who knows? We've, we've definitely seen uh, that the Yankees are flexible like that, and we've seen that David Phelps can be effective out of the bullpen. So that, that would seem to make sense to me. Uh, I, overall, it's a very good move, and it, it adds another guy to a team that really needed it. And like I said, with you know, there's 23 days left as we tape this before the Yankees report to spring training. You know, all the dominoes are going to fall now. Somebody's going to sign Jimenez and Santana and Garza. Maybe Steven Drew goes somewhere. You know, position players might not be as held up by the the Tanaka sweepstakes as, as those three guys are, but. You know, him and Kendrys Morales and Nelson Cruz are still the, the prize fish in the sea out there. they're still on the market. Yeah. It, you know, it's that draft pick compensation with Morales. I guarantee it. I mean, nobody wants to give up a draft pick. Just like the Mets didn't want to give up a draft pick for Kyle Loesch last year, same thing. I, I, I have a feeling it's the same thing. Maybe he'll sign on the eve of spring training from a team, you know, low down in the draft. Not necessarily maybe the Red Sox, but like a Cardinals or something, you know, kind of they'll take, it, take a chance to add him to a – a bench or DH role if it's an American League team. It's going to be interesting, but now the dominoes will start falling, and for the Yankees, maybe the last domino, maybe not. We'll see, but uh, Brian Cashman uh, will speak later today as we tape, and Hal Steinbrenner's already spoken to the Post about how he said 189 was a, a, a goal and not a mandate, especially at the expense of a championship-caliber team, and, and now he's got a, another fish, and, another race. And one more quick word about Cashman. Um, this sets him up to do almost exactly – the same kind of job that he's been doing for the last few decades. I don't know how long he's been at the helm. 
Has it? Is it it's, been it, 20 years? He's been in the organization that long, but it was Bob Watson before him. And I, I you can't quote me on exactly when he took over as a general manager, but it's been 10, 12 years right. at this point. Okay. So here's what I'm what I'm getting at is that every good team at least lately, that he's put together has been a combination of big signings for guys with huge contracts and a mixture of guys who everyone thought was done, yep. who he can piece together. Who we've called the Eric Chavez, Bartolo Colon, Freddy Garcia types. Right. Yep. Basically, it can be a winning formula. And with Scott Sizemore and Brian Roberts and Kelly Johnson put together with some of the biggest contracts we've seen, yep. it's, it's that formula over again. They're definitely a team that, you know, if we were going to do stock up, stock down today, they're definitely a team now stock way up just based on this signing. And um, the team we had last week in that segment, the Nets, stock still up. I mean, I know we've we've been a little Masahiro Tanaka dominant, but we do need to talk about the Nets who won again. They, they crushed the Knicks at MSG on Monday. They beat the Magic Tuesday night at Barclays Center. They're now second place in the division, 18-22 and 22 as of uh, – as of Tuesday night's win over the Magic. So that's pretty much the halfway point of the season. You know, one more game to go. Second place right behind Toronto. Seventh seed in the East as of Wednesday morning. And they just look like they're getting better. Yeah, I tweeted last night that I think a lot of people still group the Nets and the Knicks together as two teams that had high high expectations in New York and haven't really panned out. Well, right now they're in totally different places. So it's mm-hmm. time for us to start, uh, you know, separating them uh the brooklyn nets are getting inching closer to 500 the new york knicks look like a disaster the knicks have their biggest game of the season tonight against the 76ers if they lose tonight it's going to get really bad um but the nets honestly jason kidd has really showed me something uh this smaller lineup has really helped and paul pierce playing at the four is a gutsy move considering he's six seven and has never done this before it shows that jason kidd kind of knows what he's doing and and really made a decision that was difficult and may not have been popular at first but that has really worked yep and darren williams coming off the bench has been a little different element because now he gives that second unit a little bit more of a boost livingston has played very well in his absence over the last couple weeks and kind of quote-unquote deserves to be in that starting lineup you know you look at that and then you look back to the other side of the coin of the knicks and Carmelo Anthony is almost becoming a sympathetic figure, like, oh, poor Carmelo, he's stuck on this disaster, which Carmelo Anthony has never been a sympathetic figure ever in the NBA. He gets slagged all the time, sometimes justly, to put it to put it mildly. But then you look at this team and you wonder, A, you wonder how much longer Mike Woodson can go on, and we talk about this every week. B, you wonder, does it come a point where they just decide, forget it, we're blowing this up and starting over? hoping Carmelo doesn't opt out, maybe get rid of some contracts, try to get some money, sign somebody better, who knows. And then see, you look at the standings as of this morning, you realize there are two games out of the playoffs at 15 and 26. Like this, this is the conundrum that is the East this year. You know what? It actually is an incredible conundrum. <laughs> yeah. Because of exactly what you just said. What do you do? Because if you struggle through the whole season and sneak into the playoffs and it continues to be a disaster, but a controlled one, enough to the point where you get in, does Melo still not stay? Because he might not look at this season favorably, considering they were supposed to be much better. You know, they have the talent, I think, to be better than an eight seed. 
it's just – you know what? There were the rumors that they might go after a point guard earlier this season. That is the problem. If they had a really good point guard, especially defensively, I, I really think that they'd be around 500. But yeah. Ray Felton looks like a shadow of what he once was. Yeah. Uh, they want to get rid of Udrich, and he wants to leave, and it's just a mess. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dumpster fire. And it, it, That's my word. I like that. Um, the thing about it is, too, is like you said, they sneak into the playoffs – they have Miami's number. I know. Like, they seem to be the one team, oddly enough, that has the Heat's number. Does the Heat overtake Indiana? Do the Knicks, you know, sneak into the eighth seed? Like, is there potential for a huge upset? But, if, if but the, then what? If like, the first round of the playoffs, if Miami lost to the Knicks, I think Twitter and just all of the press would just explode. LeBron James might actually rip Eric Spolstra's heart out of his yeah, chest. Like, at that LeBron point. Yeah. would just disappear like the mm-hmm. Wicked Witch of the West at the end of... Uh, um, <laughs> Wizard, of Wizard of Oz. But, yeah, it's like you wonder, like, is it worth sneaking into the eight seed and maybe upsetting a Heat team whose number you have and maybe this and that? Like, there's there's virtually no chance this team is going to win the NBA championship. There's virtually no chance they get out of the first round. I mean, it's possible, but – so do you just blow it up? I mean, do you say whatever? It's going to be a long month. The NBA trade deadline is about a month away, and it's going to be a long month in New York with – determining what's going on between Carmelo and the rest of the team and Mike Woodson and just the the raging dumpster fire, as you call it, that is the New York Knicks. Unfortunately, we um we missed that game at uh, MSG, Martin Luther King Day. I, w- I was away. I went to the Poconos this weekend. Did, uh, oh, was that a segue into our crazy stories from it the was. weekend? That was. Crazy like stories from the weekend. <laughs> Sorry, that was Jeff. We got this announcer guy, Jeff. He just popped in just oh. to do that real quick. I, I missed him. I must have blinked. Um, I was away this week, and I did six consecutive hours of snow tubing at Camelback Mountain in the Poconos. And towards the end, uh, it was scary because it was cold and it was icy. It snowed a lot in the Poconos this weekend. Why didn't you stop an hour in like a normal human being? Well, because you buy three-hour sessions. So we bought a three-hour session in like the morning, and then we went to – there's a, a like brewery nearby, so we went to lunch at, oh, the, you got, at the brewery. Yeah, you had a few, uh, few cold ones. I, yeah, I had, let's, let's get another three hours, I, I had three hours of snow one. tubing let's, in. Let's be fair. So we went to lunch, and then we decided, hey, you know, we're having a good time. Let's see what the night tubing's all about. Let's do it again. So we did, like, it was 4 to 7, I think. Um, and towards the end, it was getting icy and getting fast, the, and it was crazy. You were working on your night tubes. Night tubes. Uh, it was crazy. They have a, they have these sled runs or tube runs. And you get to the bottom of the hill, and then you're on flat ground for a little bit, and then it goes, like, uphill. There's an incline, so, you know, the speed to stop you. And uh, at the top of the incline, there's like a, a fence-ish kind of thing. It's almost like a – it's not like fence. It's like a wire or a net or something. Yeah, yeah. I, like I know what you They have that in the ski, ski hills. And so me and my buddy who are both – I mean he's like 6'2", 300 pounds, and I'm a little bit shorter but still about 300 pounds. You know, you could link the tubes together and go down in like twosomes, threesomes, up to seven I think they said, which would have been ridiculous if you have the right seven people. But uh, his goal and, and my goal eventually were we're going to hit that pad at the top of the hill. So about two or three runs from the end of the night, we're on these tubes and, and we're linked together. And I'm in the front and he's in the back pushing. And we kind of got up there late because they, they have like this conveyor belt that brings you back up and they go in waves. It's weird. And so the guy yells, go. And and my buddy is just like, oh, it just kind of gives like a, a weird like running shove and like jumps on the tube and couldn't really hold on because the handle was broken on this one. And we are trucking down this hill. The whole time, my face literally came about an inch away from the ice wall, like on the side. I, I was about ready to break my face. 
I was scared to death. That was the run where we hit the top because it was just like one of those out of control, everything came together kind of things. And we were so proud of ourselves for the rest of the night. It was ridiculous. Like, we hit the wall. Because, you know, when you're in your 30s and... It means nothing to anybody but you. Because <laughs> when you're in your 30s and you're 15 years past your athletic glory, hitting the top of the wall on a sled run is like the ultimate sacrifice, I guess. I don't know. So that's that's what I did. And then I spent all day Sunday recovering for with my sore quads and ankles watching conference championship football. But I heard uh, you were telling me earlier that... Uh, you had a nice story involving false teeth and chicken wings. Yeah, uh, I did something that I've never done before. Honestly, I've never done this. College, high school, life, never done it. Uh, I just I went to a bar to watch a game. Like, this is the only reason I went. Uh, it was on Sunday. We went to a bar in, in Manhattan to watch the uh, Patriots game. I was with a few of my friends from Boston who were visiting uh, from school. And um, we were there, and it was one of those places where if you could find a seat, you were lucky. But for the most part, you go for the atmosphere. You stand yep. for the whole game. Um, and apparently the the creator of a type of dentures was sitting in front of us. And if you were sitting, you had been there for hours. And mm-hmm. most of these guys were, seemed like they were regulars. And um, so we're just we're, – I'm standing there, and he hands me back uh, a tray of chicken wings. And, um, Which is what you eat on Sunday at a bar watching football. Right? Yeah, and it turned you know, out he turned out he had invented the dentures, and he bought you know mm-hmm. me and my friends a plate of chicken wings. Does he have dentures? Th- that I, I I think he he would be proud that I didn't notice because mm-hmm. that probably means they're good dentures. He didn't pop them out and just uh, you know show me his gummy smile. <laughs> if that's what your question is, see, see it's, it's moments like that one where I have to remember how much younger you are than me because I mean. I, I'm not going to say I do it every Sunday, especially now that I'm not, you know, just of the ilk to go down to the bar and watch football all Sunday. But that's like one of life's joys to me is a football Sunday with the guys. You know, we have Bobby Valentine's Sports Bar here in Stanford. Just meet up with the guys at Bobby V's, have a couple of beers, have a ton of wings, watch seven hours of football, most of which you don't care about because they have the Sunday ticket. So your team plays whenever it plays and the rest of football is like watching your fantasy team. But that's where I have to remember how much younger you are because you haven't really been able to do that until a year or two ago. So, Well, I like – the know. thing is with with Sundays grow, when you're growing up, for the most part, Sundays are terrible in high school and in college. Um, Sundays were SAT tutor days. They were you know days where they were school nights, so you had homework to do. And I went to both obviously a rigorous high school and college, so yeah. I always had a lot of work to do on Sundays, and I always felt guilty – uh, you know, watching seven hours of football. So now in life, I have the day of Sunday kind of to myself. Uh, usually I get to, you know, work stuff Sunday night. But now that I can kind of relax on Sunday afternoon, I, I will start doing that a little more often. But yeah. I just I haven't been able to. My senior year of college after the NFL, we had the XFL on Sunday. So we, we really had a treat there with the uh, the XFL in the spring. That was awful. Although I will say my fraternity held its uh, usual social events on Saturday night, so I spent a lot of Sundays that started at like three o'clock. Yeah, just yeah. Is, recovery, know, sort of what I did in college. But um, <clears throat> you know, regardless of all that, in a couple weeks we will be two of the millions who gather in front of the TV to watch Denver and Seattle, the best two teams in the NFL this year according to record, best offense versus best defense. They're going to duke it out at MetLife Stadium on February second for the Lombardi Trophy. Um, hopefully, we're hoping next week to have on a special guest um, yet to be determined to discuss the logistics of the outdoor Super Bowl. Um, 
you know, with all the snow we've had here in the New York area, who knows what's going to happen in a couple weeks, but it could be an unmitigated disaster for the NFL if there's a 18-inch blizzard that happens, oh, say, two Wednesdays from now. But, um, you know, we'll discuss that a lot more in depth next week. This is kind of the, the one Sunday that I hate most in the sports calendar because it's the Sunday in between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, and it's that first Sunday where you realize you've got a couple months before baseball starts. Your Sundays are really, really going to be boring. Time to start focusing on hockey and basketball. Yes, and hockey. And we have a hockey game on Sunday to go to. Yeah, we'll be at the uh, stadium series on Sunday, and we'll be there next Wednesday as well. Uh, actually, next week's audio, Yes Men, is going to be a little later than usual because we'll be at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday doing another one of our quasi-live video editions to be aired on YesNetwork.com throughout the day. Uh, leading up to Rangers Islanders on Wednesday. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we get to fill it with a little stadium series hockey. And then, uh, of course, for me, I'll be watching the WWE Royal Rumble later that evening. Um, I'll be doing the opposite of that. Yes. Maybe a little Downton Abbey. I don't know. Are you a Downton Abbey guy? My fiance no, loves that show. No, I'm not a Downton no. Abbey fan. I'm just saying a lot of people are like, oh, Downton Abbey's great. And I'm like, it's Oh, you're uh, just specifically talking about Sunday night? Sunday night stuff, yes. Yeah. You know, usually Sunday nights are a relaxation time. I catch up on shows. I watch mm. HBO's Girls, which is a great show. Mm. Allison Williams is terrific yeah. on it. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder why you watch that. Um, actually, I've seen I've seen it a bit. It's a good show. Um, not Thank a you. regular viewer, Thanks. but I, I I have watched it. No, you can watch wrestling over it. That's fine. That's no big deal. I you know I don't value our friendship much. I don't expect much out of you, Lou. Wow. But uh, you know whatever. It's it, you're free to do whatever you want. No. You're your own man. Is the, is that back on the air? I know we talked about the premiere a couple weeks ago. Um, is that back for the new season now? Or it is. Okay, it is. Um, I'll be sure to set my DVR in my head. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, it is actually a good show. I, I am not a regular watcher, but I have seen it. At, you know, I know, you know, Lou. I'm just kidding, man. Don't worry. Um, you made me lose my train of thought. Uh, NFL, yet. Yeah, we'll talk about that more next week. We'll talk about the stadium series next week once it's more of a post-mortem um, because this lives all week, and realistically, stuff's going to happen in between. So there's no point in us talking at length about something that's going to change in a couple days. Um, with that said, though, you know, next week we'll have all that. We'll have a little bit more of the fallout post-Tanaka um, before we go today, though, we are running out of time. There is one more Yankees-related piece of news um, just to discuss, and that is um, we mourn the passing of uh, Carlos Silva, the WCBS radio engineer, uh, was in the booth with John and Susan for over a decade, contributed to YesNetwork.com, doing some Spanish interviews for us. Um, I got to know Carlos a little bit over the last year, mostly working at the stadium a lot more than I did the first couple years I was here. Uh, he and our, our former web video producer, Joe Ariema, were, were very close. Um, and, he, you know, Joe introduced me to Carlos. And Carlos was the kind of guy that said, he's one of you guys. He's cool. Didn't matter what my resume said, who I was, what I've done. I worked for Yes, so I must have been okay in his book. And, you know, that, that kind of came in handy with doing things. Like I said, he, he was a very big part of our Spanish presence um, over the last few years. And... The man fought cancer for a couple years and yet never didn't have a smile on his face. Always said, doesn't matter what's going on now. I'll be there on opening day. I'll be there in the in the booth every day. And it's going to be a lot different, uh, a lot different without him around um, next year and going forward. So, uh, Carlos, we'll miss you. Um, thanks for everything over the years. Hopefully, John will give us one last Carlos Silva in the booth uh, on opening day, kind of in his memory and... Uh, you know, we posted his obituary on the website. There's a, a fund you can donate to. Um, 
to help Carlos's family with funeral expenses and everything as a, you know, mounting medical bills from his cancer fight. But, uh, thanks for everything, man. We'll miss you. Um, it won't be the same without you at the stadium with that. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the yes men. I'm Lou. He's Doug. We'll see you next week from the stadium for the stadium series. And then again, live on the air for the next yes men. Take care.